let's go ahead and jump into the, the last week of our series. This is week four of Won't You Be a Neighbor? We have been kind of going through this. this is the last week as we kind of close up our Mr. Rogers themed uh, situation. And today we're going to kind of be in Luke 10. Last week we talked about the Pharisee and the Levite and how, how they handled the situation. And today we're going to bring everything to a close. We're going to kind of wrap a bow around the whole series. And we're going to talk about the Samaritan. But first we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verse number 25. We're going to look at this together, and it's going to be up there on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, you can turn it on your phone, or you can look on the screen or open it, whatever you got, however you want to do it. That's great. It says this, starting in Luke 25, verse number 10. It says, one day, excuse me, one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds, replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is very important to what we've been talking about, and this idea of loving our neighbor is a huge part of this answer, because basically Jesus here is saying that they go together, they work together, at one and the same, when you do both of these things, that everything that the Old Testament talks about is basically fulfilled in these two passages or these two laws and he continues after that in verse number 28 and he says right Jesus told him do this and you will live then the man wanted to justify his actions so he asked Jesus and who is my neighbor and Jesus replies with a story in verse number 30 it's a story that most of us know but it's a story that's very important to what we're going to be talking about today it says a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits they stripped him of his clothes beat him up left him half dead beside the road by chance a priest came along but when he saw the man lying there he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by a temple assistant or a Levite walked over and looked at him lying there but he also passed by on the other side then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits. Jesus asked, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Father, we love you and I need you right now. Father, my words, they're not enough. They'll never be enough. But Father, your anointing and your Holy Spirit is so, so much more. And so that's what we need. And so, Father, I pray that you would change our hearts, change our minds, change our mindsets, change us from the inside out, because your word is powerful and it changes us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were here last week, we talked about the, the Levi and the, 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 the Pharisee and kind of their situations and kind of things that they did that we don't want to do. Today, we're going to talk about the Samaritan, the things that we want to do, the things we want to focus in on to really be a neighbor to the people that God has placed in our lives. And we have to understand this. The Samaritan demonstrated compassion in regards to the need of his neighbor. Last week, we talked about the Pharisee. And the and the Levite, how they basically uh, basically showed um, this idea of they didn't really care, and there was this idea of they didn't really understand, and they had no desire to make a difference in this individual's life. This guy that was laying by the side of the road. Well, we have to define compassion because I think this is important that we really understand what compassion is. It's sympathetic 
consciousness of others' distress. Now, this is important. You've got to check this out. Together with a desire to alleviate it. Compassion is not simply looking at a situation and feeling sorry for somebody. Compassion is more than that. Compassion is a desire to see a need and be wanting to meet that need. We do really good, listen, we're really good at seeing the need, but what usually what we tend to do is we see the need and then we decide somebody else will handle that. Somebody else can deal with that. I don't have time or I'm not equipped or I don't have the ability. Compassion, the desire to make a difference here is what we're looking at. Not just to see the need, but to actually take action to meet that need. You see, The Pharisee and the Levite saw there was a need. They saw the guy lying on the side of the road dying. They were aware of the need, but they didn't meet the need. The Samaritan not only had compassion, he saw this individual. He saw that this guy without him was going to die, but then he stepped in and actually began to make a difference. This is a huge part of this. As you look back at the story, he says that the man sees the guy lying on the side of the road, the Samaritan, and he looks at him and has compassion for him. Look, good intentions are great. But if good intentions are all we have, the world's going to go to hell in a handbasket. We have got to be willing to take the steps and take the actions that God wants us to take to make a difference in our neighbor's life, not just be aware of their need, not just be aware of the situation, but to actually say, I am going to inject myself into this situation and make a difference in it. And so as we understand this definition, as we understand what the Samaritan did, we're going to look at a couple things here as we look in as what being a neighbor actually means when we understand the Samaritan and how he saw that. And the first one is this. Being a neighbor means stepping in while others are stepping by. Look at Luke number 10. We're going to jump around a little bit, but just look here. Luke number 10, 31, 33a, and then 34a. It says, by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. And now we're going to jump, continue to jump on to 33. Then a despised Samaritan came along. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds. Listen, you got to picture this story. I love that Jesus tells stories. I'm a, I'm a picture guy. I'm a story guy. Okay, if you get me alone for too long, I'm going to probably tell you a story and it's probably going to be one that you've heard before. Okay, and and I appreciate that you just smile and nod at me at that particular moment. When my grandfather would tell me stories, he'd always say this, Aaron, if I've told you this story before, just stop me. And I never stopped him. So I expect you to be nice and do the same. Some of you are smiling. Some of you are like, oh, is he serious? I'm like, yeah, I kind of am, you know, because eventually the stories will start to run together and it get really old. But basically, Jesus here is telling this story. And here's the guy, and he's lying there. He's off to the side of the road. He's been beaten. He's been stripped of his clothes. He's, he's dying there. And these guys walk by, and they just step right on past. They see him. They see the need, but they keep going. The Samaritan sees it and goes over to him. Listen. We've talked about this earlier on in the series. God has placed you where he's placed you for a purpose and a reason. 
That is not an accident. God didn't wake up one day. He really doesn't wake up. But God didn't say one day, "Ah, I'll just put him right here. Let's just see what happens. God doesn't roll the dice with us. God doesn't have a situation where he basically goes, well, let's just see what happens. God has a plan. And God placed you where he placed you for a purpose and a reason. And, and, and sometimes it's hard, you know, because, you, you know, you know, we find today, let's be honest, we find today, what's our place? You get what I'm saying? What's our place? What's, what's too much? What's not enough? What's, what's, what's sticking our nose where it doesn't belong? And what's, 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 what's getting too involved or whatever? Listen, I can't answer that in every situation. But here's what I believe and here's what I know. God gives wisdom to those who ask. And he gives it in a way that is in abundance. If you don't know whether you should enter into a situation, do something crazy for a minute, pray and ask God what he thinks. Now, God will answer you, and he'll answer you with probably one or two or three different things. He'll either say yes, he'll say no, or he'll say not right now. But he'll answer you. But here's what tends to happen. We don't ask God if we should enter in. We spiritualize reasons not to enter in. Well, you know, I don't want to I don't want to get involved. Well, you know, I'm sure that would be, you know, God, are you really sure that this is what you want me to do? God, are they ready to blah, 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 blah. listen. Listen. Let's just ask God and listen to what he says. But typically we don't ask God, do we? Typically, we make our excuses why we shouldn't make a difference, not how we can make a difference. And there's a big difference there. And you may be different. You may be the person that you're constantly a part of that. And if you are, that's great. But I know myself. And I know typically, typically, I I feel like I'm going to be a bother. I feel like I shouldn't enter into that moment. But see, the thing is, what I have to understand is maybe, just maybe, like Esther, God placed me there for such a time as this. You know what I've learned about people? If we handle this the right way, and I think with God's wisdom, his leading, and God's spirit, we can. I think people respond, even if it's none of our business, okay? I think it's, it, they respond favoritively to people who show they care. Hey, hey, you're going through something right now, and, and I, don't, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, but just so you know, I'm here for you. If you need anything, just let me know. Hey, you know, I know that, I know that your wife just is, is dealing with some of these some issues, and, 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 and I just want you to know, hey, we're here. If you just need to talk, or, or we'd love to have you over for coffee or dinner, or just, you know, we just, we're just here for you. Some people just need a hug. (laughs) Some people just need to know that they're not alone. And for too long, we as as the church have kind of just stepped on by. We we have kind of filled that role of the Pharisee and the Levite. We're too busy. We got too much going on. And instead of stepping into those situations to bring light to a dark place, we step on by them because we don't want to be a bother. Or because we don't know what to say. Or we don't know what to do. 
Maybe we should just love on people. Maybe, maybe we should understand that that is just what God has called us to be and that we may not always understand how we're supposed to do it or when or all those things, but that God will give us wisdom and direction and God will make a difference in those things. And that's an awesome thing. Number two, being a neighbor means your comfort will be affected. Look at Luke number 10, 34. It says, going over to him, the Samaritan smoothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Listen, you need to understand something about me. If you don't, you're gonna. I will be completely honest with you. I will not tell you things that I do not believe. This, to do this, will be hard. This is not going to be a walk in the park. This is not going to be something that's easy. This is going to be difficult. This is going to cost you something. If you're going to be a neighbor and you're going to neighbor people, it will cost you something. It cost this guy lots of stuff. It cost him olive oil. It cost him wine. Guys, those weren't free items. Those weren't items that you go to the store and say, I'll I'll take some olive oil. Oh, great, that's free. It was costly. It took things from him. He took him and put him on his own donkey. What does that mean? It means that now he's walking. The rest of the journey. Listen, this is going to cost you something. This is going to cost your time. This is going to cost your effort. This is probably going to cost your money. This is going to cost you stuff. It just is. And it's one of the reasons we sometimes step on by. is because we're not willing to pay the price. We're not willing to do what God has called us to do. Because we're not willing to pay the price. We're too busy. We got too much going on. The kids have got soccer practice and ballet and art and, and, and school and band and all those things. Bad? Absolutely not. But they're, they're time-consuming things. And they keep us from making a difference because we don't have time. Listen, can I, can I just be honest with you? Can I help you with something? If you are so busy that you don't have time to love people... You are too busy. Okay? Do you get that? That means that there's stuff that needs to be cut out because there's stuff that you're doing that's not necessarily bad, but it's keeping you from fulfilling the Great Commission, the things that God commanded you to do. Now, some of you, it just means you need to figure out a little more time management stuff. You need to understand that. For some of you, you need to make this a priority. It can't just be something that, yeah, I'll just kind of, it just, I'll just kind of let it happen. It's got to be something that's, that's a part of who you are and what you do and how you focus on stuff. You got to be willing sometimes to say, hey, dinner's going to be five minutes late because I'm outside talking with my neighbor who's mowing his lawn. And sweetheart, I'll be in in five minutes. But it's going to cost us stuff. It's going to cost us stuff. And we've got to be willing to pay that price. Because, because you've got to understand something. This, these are souls. These are eternal souls that we're dealing with here. That God wants, you, God wants to use you to make a difference in their life. These are big deals. This is a big thing. That God has come to you and said, I want you to be a part of this. And we have to make time. We have to be willing to do those things. We have to be willing to understand that it's sometimes it's not going to be the best moment. And sometimes it's not going to be the most convenient spot. But at the same time, we have been placed there to make a difference. We have been placed there to be that neighbor. 
And we have to understand it. He was delayed. He didn't get to where he was supposed to be going. It cost him things. All of those things could have been things that kept him from stepping in. But instead he said, no, 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 no. This individual needs me. I've been placed here in this moment. And instead of a guy dying by the side of the road, the guy was able to get better. And was able to do that, which is a beautiful thing. Number three, being a neighbor means that you are in it for the long haul. Look at Luke 10, 35. It says after he's done all this stuff, it says the next day, after he's bandaged his wounds, he's taken care of him. The next day, he hands the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. You know, we have to change our mindset when it comes to Christianity and, and reaching the lost and being a neighbor. Okay, this is not about when I was a kid, I, my, and my dad still loves to do this. I don't know if you guys like to do this, but when I go home and I visit my mom and dad, if, if my dad is not around, I know exactly where he is. He is in his room. The TV is on. Now, this is weird. I know the TV is on. The volume is off. And he's watching Westerns. He loves himself some Westerns. And I'm like, Dad, why don't you, like, turn the volume on? He's like, oh, I know what's happening. And I've sat down and watched some Westerns with him. The reason why he does not have to turn on the volume is because basically they are all the same. They are all the same. And so he'll sit there and he will watch Westerns. And man, he loves it. He'll just sit there. And I'm like, I'll sit there with him, you know. And I'm just watching these things. And, and I'm like, Dad, what, why, are, why, are, why, are you, why are you doing this? He says, well, it's just... It's, I like watching westerns. Okay. You know, you kind of just, you know, you, you know, you just, that's just what he does. It's what he loves to do. And so I've always been enthralled with, with that because that's just my dad. Okay? That's just him. That's just this understanding. But, but the one thing is is, is, is no matter where he starts, he will finish that western. I'll say, Dad, how many times have you watched this western? Oh, about five times. Dad, you know what's going to happen at the end. I know. Dad, why are you watching the Western? Because I started the Western. And one of the things that I always see in Westerns, it always cracks me up, is this idea, and I don't know why I picked this up, so maybe it's something totally different, but this idea that, that, that there's a, that, you know, I don't know where this comes from, I'm sure somebody can let me know, you know, you'll Google it or something, but this idea of being a notch on your belt, You ever heard that term, that there's a notch on your belt? I always took that, now maybe I'm wrong here, okay? I always took that as like, in these westerns, when they would have a duel, or they would, you know, meet you at high noon in the street or whatever, and they'd they'd get each other, that basically they'd put a notch on their belt. And then they'd walk around and go, look, I got ten notches on my belt. Now maybe that's not what it means, but that's what I always took it as. And for a long time, I remember as a Christian feeling like my job was to get notches on my belt. I was, my job was to grab somebody by the hand, maybe even forcefully if necessary, and lead them down the Romans' road of salvation so that at the end of the day, somehow, some way, they accepted Jesus. And, he, and that, was, that was it. And I went, yeah, I did it. And I remember being in college. And I remember this guy, and, and we took this class called Personal Evangelism, like 101. 
And this guy was my teacher, and he was a great guy. But he had this chart. And the first day he came out, and he puts this chart on the, the whiteboard, and he puts uh, one little like, straight line, and one line, and then line. And over here he put negative 10. And over here he put zero in the middle, and then he had one through 10. And the first day he said, listen, for all of you people, all of you guys that are just concerned about getting notches in your belt, you need to have a reality check. And I remember going, oh, man, I like this guy, you know. Like, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? And he said, your job as a Christian is not to get people saved. And I'm looking around like going, oh, oh, did I, did heresy? Did I just hear heresy in my Bible college? I mean, you're kind of one of those moments. You're like, oh, my goodness. You know, do they have cameras? Are they going to come out and, you know, grab him and take him to the goulash or something like that? You know, he said, your job is to... Let Jesus save them, and your job is to help them along this chart. And I said, now I'm really confused. He said, your job is to take somebody. He said, if negative 10 is somebody that just hates God, doesn't believe in God, and is just not a really great person. He said, your job is to help them to experience Jesus to get them from a negative 10 to a negative 9. He said, that may be your only job. He said, then God's going to bring somebody else to help them get from a negative nine to a negative eight. He said, zero is salvation. He said, and then our job is to get people from zero to one and to two. And that revolutionized how I saw what God wanted me to do. God doesn't necessarily look at me. Now listen, if we get to lead somebody to Jesus, that's awesome. I mean, that is such a cool moment. But do you realize that sometimes what God is asking us to do is just to move somebody along that road? Just to get them a little bit closer. Just to understand God a little bit more. Listen, God uses everybody. And God is wanting on their journey for you to be a part of that. You may have a neighbor that your job is simply to get them from a negative five to a negative four. Because in a month you don't know this, they're moving away. But here's what's beautiful, is wherever they're moving, wherever they're going, the house they're going to buy there, God has already positioned somebody else to be there to get them from a negative four to a negative two or to a zero. Listen, we all are a part of this. What's the Bible say? It says some some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. You may be a planter, you may be a waterer, but what you have to understand is we all are a part of all of these things. And I'm convinced of something that's going to be absolutely the most beautiful thing we're ever going to see. We're going to be in heaven, everything's going to be done, and we're going to have complete strangers walk up to us that we're not going to know at all. And they're going to go, oh my goodness, how are you? And we're like, who are you? And they're like, oh, you don't know me. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. Who are you? He said, well, you remember back in 2018... No, you were at Target, okay? And you were there and you were talking to the checkout girl. I normally do that. So what? You were so kind to her because she messed something up. And instead of yelling at her, instead of getting upset with her, you were kind to her. And I saw that and I went, man, there is something different about that guy than me because I would have yelled at her and I would have been upset with her. And because of that, there became a curiosity in me to figure out what was different about you and her and, and, her and me. And because of that, eventually I got from a negative 10 to a zero. And now I'm with Jesus forever and eternity because you showed kindness to somebody in Target. And we're going to go, 
Well, good deal. And it's going to be beautiful. And it's going to be amazing. But we have to understand, this is a journey, folks. This is not about getting a notch on your belt. This is about ministering to people, being a neighbor to people for a long time if necessary. It means not just in the middle of tragedy, but in everyday life. We're taking the time to pour into people. We're taking the time that when there is sickness and there is disease and there is a beating up on the side of the road that we're there. And then we are pouring in the oil and the wine and we're doing all those things. But then afterwards, we're coming back to see how they're doing. Why does the guy come back? He doesn't just come back to make sure that the bill is paid. He comes back to see how the guy is doing. He could have sent him money, guys. He says, I will come back. Next time I'm here. He's already planning to make sure the guy's okay. Listen, we want to not just be a situation or a church that basically says, oh my goodness, tragedy, oh my goodness, the house is on fire, we're there. We want to also build the, the house back up after it's burnt to the ground. We have to understand, this is a journey. This is not, as we conclude this series, this is not a put it in and, and put a period and okay, now we'll move on to the next series next week. This is a lifestyle change. This is understanding that things inside of us and how we live life and how we do neighboring needs to change. And then we have to understand it's not about just today. It's about tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month, the next year. Because God has got us there for a reason and a purpose. So, as we look at this and conclude everything, as we, again, kind of wrap a bow around this entire series, we have a question. So, so where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? What, if, if I could basically in just a couple little things, you say, well, I, I haven't been here for the whole series. That's okay. And I just say basically, okay, here it is. This is what we need to be. This is where we go from here. I wrote down three things that we need to focus in on. Number one, we make it a priority to neighbor our actual neighbors. We talked about that back in week one. What if Jesus actually, when he talked about neighbors, was not confining that, but he was expanding that? And basically, Jesus was actually saying, listen, the people that you live next to, love on them. Yeah, you need to love on the orphan in Africa. We need to love on the people that are at our work and our families and all those things. And that's great and that's fine and that's obviously a part of this. But maybe also we need to actually love those that God has placed us in close proximity to because we live next to them. Why don't we love our neighbors? Those people that we see out mowing the lawn or the people that we have, you know, we go out. You ever, you ever have this happen? Oh, I love when this happens. You know, you go outside and somebody's grilling and you're like... Oh, that smells good. You know? Those people. Those people that are hurting. Those people that need to know somebody cares about them. Let's neighbor them. Let's not forget them. Because God has placed us there for a reason. Number two. Number two. We must reject the apathy of the Pharisees and the Levites. We got to reject it. 
We got to reject that they're not caring. We got to reject that they don't matter. We got to reject the idea that we're too busy. We can't grab a hold of that. We can't worry about all those things. Last week we talked about all the things that got in the way of them not being able to see the man that needed them that was right in front of them. We've got to reject it. We can't just kind of like, we got to actually look at it and go, no, I will not be that guy. We have to reject it. We have to understand it so that we can move on to the last thing. Which is quite simply this. We must embrace the compassion of the Samaritan. Now remember what compassion actually means. It doesn't mean just noticing the need. It doesn't mean just looking at things and going, well, you know, I am aware that my neighbor or my coworker is dealing with something difficult, but I am actually going to do something about it. I am actually going to do something to alleviate that pain and alleviate that suffering and alleviate those things. Compassion is more than just understanding. Compassion has to be more than just an awareness. It has to be actually doing something about it. You go, but Aaron, I don't don't know what to do. Listen, that's fair. I get it. Because there's sometimes... We, we don't know what to do. But maybe the first step is just to do something crazy like this. Say, hi, my name's Aaron. I've lived next to you for 10 years. <clears throat> How are you? What's going on? Hey, your yard looks really nice. Hey, I, I, I just noticed that, that uh, you put some balloons that were pink uh, on your mailbox. Did, did you have a baby? Did your wife have a, yeah, a little girl? Oh, what's her name? Really? Oh, that's great. Yeah, I got a son. Yeah, he, he's, he's going to be five in a couple months. It's crazy, isn't it? And you start building that relationship, and you start caring about them. And then, and then instead of just waving at somebody that, that happens to be driving past, you're like, hey, hi, Mike. How's things going? How's things going? Hey, last time we talked, you said work was going difficult. Did anything get better? Hey, just so you know, um, you know, my wife and I, work, we love Jesus, and we, we've been praying that God would, would intervene in that situation. Listen, I understand that this can be hard for some of us. It's hard for me, but please don't confuse it with rocket science. Please. It's not easy, but God wants to use every single one of us to make a difference. To make a difference in the people that we come in contact with. If the ushers would please come forward, we're going to close with this. The ushers, sorry. Musicians. (laughs) I didn't sleep real well last night, so I'm just letting you know, you know. So much for leaving you with a sense of awe, you know. At least, I didn't, I, at least I didn't mess up my name so far. So where do we go from here? After Jesus tells this amazing story, in Luke, the 10th chapter, he asks the, the lawyer, basically, a question. He says, uh, which one of these three was the neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus concludes 
one of the most famous stories in the history of the world with these words. Yes. Now go and do the same. You see, we just spent four weeks talking about being a neighbor. And that information, I hope, was helpful to you. We started out the very first week, and, and this seems like a while ago, but, but I gave you a piece of paper. Remember the piece of paper with the houses on it? I, I hope you kept that paper. If you didn't, I got extra. Okay, I'll give you one. And, and I asked you to fill in the names of your neighbors. And, and I asked you to, to write down some, some just basic information. If you knew their names, some basic information. And then I asked you to, to write down maybe some more intimate information. Now, I, I didn't look at anybody's sheet. But I bet there was a lot of empty houses. I bet there was a lot of homes that didn't have anything written. And I challenged you then to keep that sheet of paper and over the next weeks, months, years, begin to fill it in. I even said there was a hope and a, and a prayer inside of me that, that in like two or three years, I'd have somebody walk up to me just beaming. Like, what's up? And, and they like, like, you remember this? And they're going to hold up that piece of paper. And I'm like, yeah, that was like way a long time ago. And they're like, yeah, I finally filled it all out. And that's going to be cool. But we got to understand, after Jesus tells this amazing story, after he's expressed what it is to be a neighbor, after he has, has shown that it's, it's not just the people out there, but it's the people that are close, he says the simple things, yes, now go and do the same. If we don't go and do what the Samaritan shows us to do, we have head knowledge that's not going to make a difference out there. All we have at that particular time is knowing what we should do. We talked about in James, knowing what to do and not doing it is sin. So now it's time to go. Now it's time to take all the stuff, put it together, and go make a difference in the world that we are placed in. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a, a little bit of time here, and I'm just going to pray over you. That God would just give you just a new understanding of this concept. And not just an understanding, but true compassion. True compassion that drives you to do something about it. You go, Aaron, I don't know what to do. Listen, I understand that. Let's pray about it right now. Let's ask God. Because I got a feeling he's not going to ask you to go take them to a Theology 3 class. He's probably just going to ask you to know their name. And love on them. And invest in their life. Because that's the model that we see from Jesus. We see him going and spending time with people and making a difference inside of them. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray that God would just do something awesome, not just in us, but in the world that we've been placed into. 
And then John and the worship team are going to come and they're going to lead us in a closing song. But Father, we love you. And Jesus, if this was easy, everybody would do it. If this was simple, everybody would do it. If this was something that almost came naturally to us, the lawyer wouldn't have needed to justify himself. But the bottom line is, is most of us are the lawyer. Most of us are trying to figure out what is the least amount that I can do. Because we understand what the law has communicated. We understand what the two most important things are. It's love God and to love our neighbor. We understand that. And so instead of loving you with everything and loving our neighbor with everything, we tend to try to get a buy with just enough. Father, I am so glad and I am so thankful that you didn't give just enough. You gave everything. And that's our example. You sacrificed everything for us. And it is time that we leave this building and make a difference outside of it. Because quite honestly, the hurting and the dying are out there. They're in here too, but they're also out there. And you've called us to go. You didn't say, wait till they come to you. You called us to go. You commanded us to go. And so, Father, I pray that in this moment, we would bring forth a new commitment and a new desire to go and do the same. To go and be that neighbor that an individual needs. To love them and to share you with them. And God, if they get from a negative two to a negative one, we'll rejoice as much as if they go from a negative one to a zero. Because they're on that journey and that journey is made to bring them into relationship with you. Not getting us to get a notch on our belt, but for us to make a difference in the moment that you've placed us in so that they can know you. Whether we're a planter, whether we're a waterer, makes no difference. You will bring forth the increase. You will do what you need to do. And you've chosen to use us. And so, Father, I pray that we would be good farmhands. Father, I pray that we would put aside all the stuff and all the excuses and love you with everything that we are and love our neighbor as ourselves. And if we can do that, this world and literally this community, everything in it will change. It will. It will change. But we got to have people that are willing to do those two things. You commanded us to go and do the same. And I pray that starting today, we would make that change inside of us. Father, we love you and we thank you. You're so good. In Jesus' name.